Good morning, everybody. Happy Sunday. My name is Pete. I am one of the pastors here. We are super glad that you are here as well. I get to preach today from our daily Bible reading plan. If you would like to follow along with that plan, it's in the program and it's available on the wall outside the doors. And it is one of the buttons on our church app if you want to download that from the app store. This week is the start of Lent. Lent is a season on the historical church calendar that commemorates Christ's 40 days of fasting in the desert, and Lent ends in Easter, which is the greatest celebration in the Christian calendar. I hope you will be here for Easter. We're going to make donuts for the sunrise service. There's always leftovers for first service and sometimes leftovers for second service. And so I hope that you'll come, and I hope that you'll bring a guest. Easter is the time of year. Do you guys know what a CNE Christian is? That's like a Christian who goes to church for Christmas and Easter. There are a lot of people open to coming to church on Easter, and we're not the church they're expecting most of the time. And some of those folks will stick around and keep on coming. And so I hope you'll invite someone to come. Often during Lent, people fast in some way. In the Bible, fasting always means not eating, which is what Christ did while he was in the desert. Church tradition also includes lots of different ways to fast for Lent. You give something up for 40 days. Some people give up eating meat for Lent. Uh, I have given up video games for Lent. Once I felt like God wanted me to do that and it was easy, and once I did it because I felt like I should try that and it was terrible and I hated it. I've seen people give up Facebook or social media or all kinds of things for Lent. I have loved fasting for most of my Christian life. When I fast, I normally go without food, and the way it works for me is, as soon as I think about being hungry, I pray. And as you can imagine, I pray a lot more when I'm fasting than usual. And I wind up feeling a lot of joy, and it makes me a better pastor and a better Christian and a better human in some ways. I tend to be more patient, and I'm always amazed at how much closer God feels day by day. For today's passage, we're going to look at what you might call the first Lenten season, the 40 days of fasting undertaken by Jesus in Luke 4. Whether you're fasting for Lent or not, there's a lot in this passage to connect with in your faith life. And what I'm going to do is read through the entirety once so you can get a feel for what's happening, and then I'm going to break it down a few verses at a time so that we can connect a little more deeply. Most of this passage is about temptation. Most of us have dealt with temptation one or two times right? Two or three times. All right, this comes from Luke 4, right after Jesus has been baptized and the Holy Spirit came down like a dove and the Father said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Verse 1, then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. Then the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the Scriptures say people do not live by bread alone. Then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give it all to you if you will worship me. Jesus replied, the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, if you're the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect and guard you, and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. 
Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. And when the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him till the next opportunity came. All right, so what we're going to do is kind of go back and read through it just a couple of verses at a time with some moments to reflect on each one. And so I'm going to read verses one and two again here, and let's try to listen to what's happening. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River, and he was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. Now, I think there's some really helpful stuff in the opener here. I love that the Spirit accompanies Jesus into the wilderness. And what I'm going to do is pull some principles for resisting temptation out of the story of Christ here for us to consider. I love that just because you're being tempted does not mean God is not with you. That's really good news. Have you ever felt when you're being tempted like you are alone? Like especially alone? Like I am the only one who's making any effort here and it all depends on me and I'm not too secure in my own capacity right now? I have sometimes felt guilt or shame just for feeling tempted because a bad thought or idea occurred to me, makes me feel like I'm a bad person. And it is helpful to know Jesus experienced the same thing. And he experienced the same thing while in the presence of the Spirit of God. Jesus was the goodest person ever to live. And so I'm not saying it's a good thing to have like random thoughts passing through your mind that are unhelpful. I'll confess one of mine. When I have to file... I start thinking about bringing a gun to a bank. I discovered this in college, and it's literally every time I have to file for more than five minutes. I go, I wonder what would happen if I brought a gun to my bank. And then I go, I should stop filing. I'm definitely not made for filing. There's jobs I can do. Filing is not one of them. I'd rather dig a ditch or clean a bathroom or something, right? And so I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm not saying this is a good sign, right? But what I am saying is that being tempted isn't inherently sinful. I've never brought a gun to a bank, and I'm never going to, right? God can be with us through temptation. He can be with us while we're being tempted, just like the Spirit of God was with Jesus Christ. And there is another biblical truth in here too. It is the devil who does the tempting. God is not a tempter. When God wants our attention, God works through love and wisdom and faith and hope, and he empowers us to bring the same things into the world. When the devil wants your attention, it comes through thoughts or desires to do the devil's work. And so when you're trying to figure out whether something is God's voice versus a temptation, how you feel is often, not always, but often a good indicator. If something makes you feel love and faith and hope, it's a pretty good sign that that's something coming from God. And if something makes you feel shameful, especially afraid, it is likely coming from the other side. The Bible says perfect love casts out fear, and God is love. And we also notice in this story where the temptation falls for Jesus. He has been fasting for 40 days. That is a long time not to eat. I've done half that. It was, I can't believe what Jesus has done here, right? And so what does the devil do? The devil comes after Jesus at his lowest point. And this is really often how temptation works in our life. When I'm doing well, Ben and Jerry's might as well not even exist, all right? But when I am not doing well, especially if it's been for a while, the grocery store is a minefield for me. Ben and Jerry's looks magical, and I know what will fix all my problems, right? And so let's look at the next verses, three and four. Then the devil said to Jesus, if you are the son of God, 
tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone. So there's a reason I started with the Ben and Jerry's analogy, which is legitimately real in my life. The first temptation of Jesus is the devil telling him to turn stone to bread. The devil comes at him with the most obvious temptation after 40 days without food. And one thing you might not notice in this passage is that there are a lot of intentional echoes to a famous story from the Old Testament. In Numbers 20, Moses and Aaron are leading the people through 40 years of wandering the desert. And the people get thirsty in a place with no water. And so God tells Moses and Aaron, assemble the people, speak to this rock, and I will pour water out of the rock to give people what they need. And so they assemble the people, but Moses gets angry, and he calls the people names, and he smacks the rock with his staff. And this is all in front of everybody. And God says, because you didn't believe, because you didn't do what I asked, but you added these things to it, you're going to die before you reach the end of the journey. And so this passage has a lot of Jewish parallels, which Jesus and everybody listening to him would have understood. Jesus is fasting for 40 days. When Moses and Israel wandered, it was for 40 years. Both are in the desert. Moses and the people are thirsty. Jesus is hungry. And so there's all kind of parallels. But where Moses became angry and couldn't believe, Jesus responds to temptation from the devil by quoting Scripture which is something that we're going to see a lot of in these verses. And so a great principle of resisting temptation, sometimes the Bible helps. Amen? Knowing the Bible can help us when we're in a spiritual fight. Now, the Bible's not magic. We're going to see in these verses that the devil uses the Bible too. But I do believe and have experienced that when we know and believe specific verses in the Bible, when they're planted in our heart, they can come out of us when we're under temptation and help us to do what is good. I have an example verse that I love from 1 John 4. My mom played this as a children's song when we were kids, and so I have memorized the words of this passage since forever ago. Beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. 1 John 4, 7 and 8. And sometimes when I'm wondering, is something from God? When I'm wondering, how is this affecting me? I remember to ask, is this patient and kind? Because the Bible says love is patient and kind, and that's who God is. And so sometimes these verses that get planted in our hearts come out of us helping us to resist temptation in the moment. That changes the world. One of the ways God wants to change the world through you is through the word of God in you. And so Jesus gets through the first temptation, which almost for sure would have tripped me up. I don't know about you. 40 days of no food, make some food. Uh, okay, that sounds good. All right, second temptation, verse 5. Then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine to be given to anyone I please. I will give it all to you if you will worship with me. And Jesus replied, the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. So Jesus' first temptation is to eat, and his second is to seize power. And so I want to invite you to close your eyes for a second when you're on an imaginary journey. Imagine spread out before you 
all the kingdoms of the world, the Great Pyramids in Egypt, Red Square in Moscow, the Grand Canyon in all its beauty, the Caribbean where it did not snow last night. All of a sudden, every one of these things offered to you in a moment. You can open your eyes, not just these things, but authority over them. The authority to end the war in Ukraine, to ship food to people who are hungry just because they need it, to build homes for refugees, and to make peace, not just all the kingdoms of the world, but the authority over them. All of that was offered to Jesus in temptation. And being the Son of God, he could have taken those things. He could have changed his mission right here. But Jesus is on a mission, and as he taught, he came not to be served, but to serve. He came to serve all of us right up to his death on the cross, laying his life down in the ultimate act of service. The devil doesn't understand service, and he just wanted to get Jesus to do something for him. And so he tempts Jesus with all these kingdoms and authority for, over them. All Jesus has to do is worship the devil. But Jesus is not wired that way. And he quotes the Bible again. He says, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only God. Jesus loves God. And ultimately, God actually gives him that authority. The very temptation the devil offers Jesus is given to Jesus by God. In the Great Commission, at the end of Matthew, Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go into the world and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and I am with you even to the end of the age. And so Christ, in rejecting this temptation from the devil, receives this very thing from God. And the devil wants Christ to take these things to use for his own good. But what Jesus does with these things is use them to serve us and to serve the world through us, carrying the message of Christ to the whole world. Jesus's quote in response from Scripture touches on another key to handling temptation, and that's worship. When you are overcome by thoughts or desires that seem wrong, one of the ways you can get yourself back on track is to give yourself to God, which is what the Bible says is the way God wants to be worshipped. Offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God, holy and pleasing to Him. This is your spiritual act of worship. That's from Romans. And so one way we can resist temptation is instead of trying to fight it under our own power, to turn to God and say, I am yours, God. That's what it means to worship him. A lot of times we get caught in this spiral of working up our own strength and getting into a fight, and that doesn't usually end good for me. I don't know about you, right? And sometimes we can just give up and say, you know what, God, I don't have it in me. I'm yours right now. You can do that by singing or praying or kneeling. At the center of all worship is that we give ourselves to God. And so Jesus navigates temptation by quoting the Bible and worship. Let's see how he handles the third temptation. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect and guard you, and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. 
Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. This looks like the easiest temptation to resist. Jump off the tallest building in town. That one I think I could pull off, okay, right? But there are levels to what's going on in this temptation, and these levels are aimed to hit Jesus really hard. First off, it's a biblical temptation. This is the enemy of God using Scripture to tempt Christ to do what is wrong. He's quoting from Old Testament verses about how much God cares for his people, from a song of praise and love for God and faith. And the devil uses this to tempt Christ to end his life. And he's basically saying, if God really loves you, you get to do whatever you want, even jump off the temple and you'll be fine. If God really loved you, he'd let you do it. And this is a super common way that the voice of Satan speaks to us in our lives. He makes something bad look good and tells you God doesn't really love you and so you should go to some bad thing and that's going to make you feel better. You guys recognize what I'm talking about here? I remember being a smoker. Smoking tastes bad. No kid took a first puff of a cigarette and was like, awesome. That has never happened, right? That's just not a thing. It's bad. It, like, harms you. Nicotine's a poison. If you ingest the, the nicotine from one cigar all at once, you fall over dead, right? And so what happens is we start to think, oh, I'm not allowed to do this because people are trying to keep me from what's awesome, man. And so I got to try this out a little bit more, you know? And then we wind up hooked. And being hooked on nicotine is a bummer, <laughs> having been there myself, right? And so uh, Satan just wants to tell you untruth. He wants to tell you God does not really love you. The life you live when you're doing good, that is not good for you. And God's not going to take care of you. And you are not a beloved child of God. You are some schmo. That's for other people. All Satan does is lie. In all of Satan's temptations, there is nothing but lies. And none of them touch the reality, which is that God loves you. Satan wants you to doubt God's love. And so what does Jesus use to refute Scripture being quoted by the devil? He uses Scripture again. He says, you must not test the Lord your God. And I've always wondered about Jesus using this passage because it is a verse from the Bible, but there are also clear examples in Scripture of testing God, and it works out super good. I love the story of Gideon. He's told by God, with lots of miracles, go lead the people to victory and freedom. And he's like, oh, God, I'm scared and I don't trust you. And so here's the deal. I'm going to put a sheepskin on the ground. And if in the morning the ground is wet and the sheepskin is dry, then I'll know it's you and I'll go do what you ask. And he wakes up and the sheepskin's dry and the ground's wet. And he's like, no, still scared. Nope. <laughs> Definitely not enough. Could be a fluke. And so here's the deal, God. I'm going to put it back on the ground. And if it's wet in the morning and the ground is dry, then I'll know it's you and I'm going to do what you want. And so is this testing God? Yes, it is. And he wakes up in the morning, and it's wet, and the ground is dry, and he goes and does what the Lord has asked, and it turns out awesome. He's one of the great leaders in the book of Judges, and he does a good job. And so I find it so interesting that Jesus uses this verse, and this is actually a very Jewish way of looking at Scripture and something we Christians might learn from, that it is a conversation of voices, and that at different times, God pulls the right ones to the front. At some times, the enemy might use a Scripture, but God always has a good one for us to pull out too, Right? And so Jesus says, you must not put the Lord your God to the test. 
And in its original context, the scripture he's quoting here is in an argument about whether God is with his people or not. And this makes sense here. This temptation of the devil is to believe that God is not with you, right? That feeling of aloneness that you feel when you're dealing with temptation, of isolation, of I'm the only one who's here to deal with what I have to deal with right now, that is the enemy's attempt to say God is not with you. And so what does Jesus do? He reaches into a story in the Old Testament where the people are arguing about whether God is with them, and he brings it into the present. And he says, you know what? You will not put God to the test. God is with his people. God is with even you, even me, right now. Jesus says, I don't need to figure out by trying your ways. I know better. And so what's the point of this all? I think it helps to know where the story goes from here. After making it through these temptations, Jesus launches his public ministry. We see first that God is with him in his baptism, and then we say that God is with him through all the temptation that he has to face, right? When I would talk to John Marsden about this passage, one of our founding pastors, I love John. Hi, John, if you're here. Um, hi to all of you online. John would always say temptation gets worse and worse until you give in. Anybody recognize that dynamic? And so Jesus never gave in. How bad did that temptation get? Like he got to experience the full range of human temptation all the way to the end. And Jesus did the thing that none of us has been able to do. Jesus rejected it all the way. That's amazing. We get to know that we have a God who understands the temptations that face us and who's actually victorious over them. We get to know that it doesn't all come down to how do we do against temptation. It comes down to how did Jesus do and so I've pulled some principles for facing temptation out of the story of Jesus in here, but we don't come to church, we don't come to faith, we don't come to God so that we can figure out good principles and do them under our own power. We come to faith and church and God to have an encounter with the living God, amen? And so what I don't want you to do is leave today and think, I'm going to go beat temptation all by myself the rest of the week, right? and go try super hard. We're all trying hard enough. What I do want us to know ultimately is that because Jesus Christ is able to withstand these things and more all the way to his passion on the cross, to death and into resurrection, because of Christ, ultimately we win. Ultimately, it is Christ who wins through us. I want to pray for you to receive the power of God to help you along with all the efforts that you want to put in to uh, walking by the Ben and Jerry's this week. I'm going to invite you to stand. I invite the worship team to come back forward at this time. Before I lead us in prayer, I'm going to give you three tips, something to read, something to pray, and something to do to put the Word of God into practice as we are receiving it this week. Tip number one is to read Luke 4. It starts off with this temptation scene, and then it gets to Jesus kicking off his public ministry. How does Jesus kick off his public ministry? The Spirit of the Lord is on me to proclaim good news for the poor, release for the prisoners, sight for the blind, freedom for the oppressed. It is a great story. Read Luke 4 this week. Tip number two, read and pray through a favorite Bible passage. 
you might not have one. Guess what works? Google. If you Google favorite Bible passages, the first hit is 20 favorite Bible passages, two down is 50 favorite Bible passages, and just after that is 100 favorite Bible verses. And if you read them, there are some great passages in the Bible. One of the reasons God gave us Scripture is so that we can put it in our hearts and it can come to life out of us. And so I want to encourage you, if you don't have a favorite Bible verse to read and pray, go Google, look up favorite Bible verses, and when one of them leaps off the screen or off the page, that's definitely God speaking to you through the Bible. Let that one sit, pray through that one. Pick yourself up a favorite Bible verse. Tip number three, ask God each day to be with you today, to reveal how God is with you today. One of the great names of God in the Old Testament is I am with you. And one of the things the Bible wants to do is make you feel like you're all on your own. And that might be part of why temptation is so hard, is that feeling of being alone. And so just ask God to be with you and reveal his presence with you each day this week. I'll lead us in praying now. So God, thank you so much for coming. Jesus, we are so grateful that you have come and lived among us, that you know what it is that we're facing, that you know all the temptations, and thank you for being faithful and true all the way through. Thank you for coming to serve instead of to be served. And thank you for serving us all the way to your death on the cross. God, we thank you for the resurrection. God, the enemy comes after us all the time and tells us we're alone, that you do not care, and that we need bad things in order to feel better. And I ask that you would break the power of the enemy over our lives to believe what is not true. I ask that you would send your Holy Spirit right now and that you would cement in our lives you are a child of the living God, precious to him. The only thing God wants is you. your invitation, God, and offer ourselves to you in the good times and in the bad. I pray that you would make us a people who are set free from oppression, who can give up the things that turn us away from you, God. Amen. God loves you, friends. We're going to close with worship. If you're on the prayer team, could you come up here? We have fewer folks today. It would be a great day to come up here if you're on the prayer team. Uh, we would love to pray for you for anything under the sun, especially anything related to the message today, but really anything in the world. We're going to worship and pray, and then the worship team will let us know when the service is over. And if you're visiting today, I'd love to meet you by the Welcome Center. God bless you all.